Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a dynamic four-part series entitled All In. In this series, we will explore what happens when the full house of God puts it all on the line and goes all in. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. song way too much like I did. I'm just saying, man, if, if I would have known that you can do stuff like that in church, I would have become a Christian way earlier than 18 years of age. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't even know you could do that kind of stuff in church. And some of you aren't even sure right now that you should do that kind of stuff in church. And I just want to let you categorically know you can. Because we just did. And we just redeemed Bon Jovi. And I think it's awesome. Huh? If I'd have had my lighter in the old days, I'd have, maybe I need to get my cell phone for the other celebrations today. Hey, welcome. Welcome to all of our campuses all over the Carolinas and, and all that God is doing there. We are excited. We love you guys. Grab your Bibles, everybody. Let's get ready to go get this today. Before I jump into it, I feel an obligation to look into the camera at our Garner campus and give you a little NC State love. Okay? A little NC State loving. The, the, the New Hope Garner campus, they have their own Twitter feed. And so they tweeted yesterday, we are paying for our, pa- uh, we are praying for our pastor. <laughs> we are paying for our pastor. You, you might be doing that too. Derek, they're paying for you and me. They, they said, we are praying for our pastor as he mourns the loss <laughs> of NC State over Duke. And, and then they said, pastor, this thing is bigger than, than Durham or Chapel Hill. Now this campus is in NC State country. So nicely played, nicely played. Oh, it's good to be alive, amen? Amen. Good to be alive. Grab your teaching notes out of your bulletin. Tear those out. We are starting a series called All In. I hope and pray you will not miss a single Sunday for the next five weeks. Guys, I am telling you, this series, I truly believe, has the potential to change the trajectory of your life. And the trajectory of this church's life. All in. I want to give a huge shout out to New Spring Church and Perry Noble. Because those guys have shared their resources with our technicians, with me. I've been on the phone with those guys over the last few weeks. They've shared this idea of resources, graphics, all that kind of stuff. And I just believe in giving credit where credit is due. Thank you guys. Thank you for all that you're doing there. And we are fired up to take this idea and new hope eyes it, if you will, and run with the whole notion of a community of faith. Listen. The full house of God going all in for Christ and his purposes in the world. Can I get an amen? Like, I don't know what you think about New Year's. And like, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But like, some of you, I'm sure, do New Year's resolutions. And some of you have kind of revolted against that because you tried that in the years past and, and that hasn't worked out real well for you. Others of you set goals, godly goals, which is a kind of form of New Year's resolutions. But what I've learned about this time of year is that most people are trying to get better. And I honor you for that. I know I'm trying to get better. Gyms are packed these days. I mean, packed. 
They won't be packed come April. But they're packed right now, right? And people are eating healthy and they're, they're making New Year's resolutions and goals and their relationships and their finances and, 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 and they're just trying to get better. And, and here's what Amy Lynn and I have done ever since we've been married. We've actually always been quick to ask for advice. In fact, when we're around godly couples that we admire and respect, it's usually we, we're racing to get the question out because we both want to ask it. Hey, tell us, tell us, how did you make your marriage so beautiful. What did you do to build a godly marriage? If we get, get around great parents, we've always asked them. I mean, we'll be at dinner. We'll be out somewhere. We'll say, hey, tell us something. We have kids. Tell us what you did well and tell us what you didn't do well. We want your advice. We see you, you're raising godly kids. You're very intentional. So we've always been quick to ask for advice. And the reason that's the case is because what I have discovered is that no one gets great in life by accident. No one, like if you see a couple with a great marriage, beloved, they didn't stumble into it. They've been very intentional. If you see someone who's raising great kids, they didn't stumble into it. They've been very, very intentional. If you see somebody who's physically fit... They didn't stumble into it. Like, I've never asked anybody, hey, how did you get in such good shape? And they said, I don't know. <laughs> I've never had them say, I, I don't know. I just, I just enjoy eating Snickers and Reese's peanut butter cups all the time. Like, like, no one has ever actually said that to me. Here's my point. A growing relationship with Christ, right in this, a growing relationship with Christ is not accidental, but Intentional. A growing relationship with Christ is not accidental, but what, church? But what? Intentional. Now, next week, I'm going to lay out a six-month reading plan, a Bible reading plan. Next, today, we're talking about loving God with all of our heart. With all of our what? Next week, we're going to talk about loving God with all of our mind. And I'm going to lay out a six-month Bible reading plan that I'm encouraging and asking everyone to consider reading the Bible, the, the entire New Testament in six months. That's what I'm asking us to do next week. And if you want to go ahead and get started, go ahead and get started. I mean, you can go this week. Just start reading the Gospels. Sometimes people say, I, I can't read the whole Bible. Well, then, then don't. Just read the New Testament. Or it, maybe I, I've tried to read the New Testament. I can't. Okay, then just read a Gospel. Start with Matthew. 28 chapters. Go to Mark, 16 chapters. Go to Luke, 24 chapters. Go to John, 21 chapters. Take you about three and a half months, four months to read the entire, all four of the Gospels. But we're going to take six months and we're going to read the entire New Testament because, listen, a growing relationship with Christ is not accidental but intentional. Now, here's the deal. They came to Jesus. Go ahead and open up to Mark 12. Mark chapter 12. They came to Jesus on your, on your iPads or your phones or your Bibles. It doesn't matter. You can use any of the above here. They came to Jesus in Mark's gospel. They had this in the other gospels as well. And they came to Jesus. And what you saw was the people were often confused and overwhelmed with trying to obey all the laws. All the commandments. Like we think of the Ten Commandments. No, beloved. There were a lot more than that. There were over 600. Get you some of that. 600. So they come to Jesus one day and they're asking for advice because they understand that growing in him is not accidental, but what? But what? Intentional. And so they said, hey, Jesus, come on, give us the cliff notes. 
Maybe they were trying to create a t-shirt or something. Give, give, give us the, just, just boil it all down. Make it simple as you possibly can. And in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says this, and I want us to read it out loud together. If you're ready for the word, say amen. Ready? Go. Love the Lord your God with? And with? Let's continue. And with all your mind and with all your strength. I love the way you read that. If you got your Bibles, circle the word all. Circle it or underline it or write it out in the margins. The Bible, Jesus says, hey, if you want the cliff notes, if you're trying to put it on a t-shirt, here's what you need to put. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now you know where the title of the series comes from. All in. Now listen, listen, listen. Jesus doesn't ask for something from you. He asks for everything from you. Now just sit in that for a moment. Jesus doesn't ask for something from me. He asks for everything from me. And the reason some of us have never really tapped into the life that God wants for us is because we've never gone all in. We, we've, never, we've never wagered everything on this gospel and on this Christ Jesus. We've played games with him. And I'm calling you to wage everything in this series because I don't want anything from you either. I want something for you. And what I want for you is for 2013 to be the greatest year of your life. I would have expected a lot more amens than that. Amen. If you want 2013 to be a great year in your life at all of our campuses and right here, let me hear an amen. amen. Wow. Yeah, that, that's what I want, church. I want the very same thing. And so let's go get this today. The first thing Jesus said was, love the Lord your God with all your what? With all your heart. Now, now, here's the deal. Those of you who are like real emotional, you know, you're taking the test and all, and you kind of come back with red, red color describing you, you emotional ones. You, you, you're excited now because you think we're going to talk about warm, fuzzy, emotional things. And you're kind of envisioning that maybe later in the service we might hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And this message is going to send you for a tailspin. And others of you think when I said heart, those of you who aren't very emotional, those of you who like don't like warm, fuzzy kind of stuff, you're the kind of people that when you, when you get in a circle in your life group and they say, let's pray, you're just hoping and praying. Someone in the group says, doesn't say, let's hold hands. I mean, you, you know, you're one of those. And, and so this message is also going to send you for a tailspin because it's very different than what you are thinking about. It's very, very interesting. When they came to Jesus and they said, what should we do? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. If you follow that theme throughout the New Testament, you actually find that Jesus Christ, when he started to teach about the heart, when he started to explain what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, he likened it to loving the Lord your God with your, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I don't know that you are, with your money. And some of you just went, oh, everything was going good up to this point. Come on, come on, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. 
when Jesus spoke about the heart, he would always bring it back to the fact that the scriptures teach that the true sign, if you will, the telltale of whether or not a person loves God with his or her whole heart came down to whether or not a person mastered this area of being faithful with their finances. Now, listen, listen, because I don't want to lose you. I want you to stay with me today. Some of you are sitting there, and you're going, oh, Lord, first of the year, the church is in trouble financially. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, that's what some of you do. They can't pay their bills. Come here. The church's finances grew by 45% last year. In the worst recession our generation might have ever seen. The finances before last year grew by 50 plus percent. The finances in this church since day one has grown from 45% to 68% every single year. Year. This is not about some pastor or some church needing your money. Hear me, church. Hear my heart. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. This is not about that. This is about the reality that Jesus Christ, whenever he spoke about heart issues, he would go straight for the jugular, if you will, and he would go straight to the pocketbook. Or the wallet or the bank account. Now, if you're ready just to consider some of this today, say, bring it, Pastor. That's why I love this church. Who would have ever thought you'd say that? We're about to talk about money. Thank you. And I'm trusting that the campuses did the very same thing. Now, I'm going to talk to you about three principles today. How many? Take out your teaching notes again. Follow along. Write in some words. I'm going to talk to you about three key biblical principles that Jesus addressed with the subject of money. And here's the deal. Even if you're not a believer, even if you're here and you're just kind of checking this out, or maybe you are a believer and you're just visiting this church and and you're not giving your resources here because you give your resources somewhere else, that's cool. But even if you're not a believer, you're going to have to concede that principle number one is absolutely 100% true. Here it is. If I am financially connected, I will be emotionally connected. Write it in. Write in the word emotionally. Even if you're not a believer... You have to concede that this is true. If I am financially connected with something, I am emotionally connected to it. Your own experience validates that. Now, I'm not even talking about church right now. I'm just talking about what you spend your money on. I met my wife, right? Met my wife, 1997, got married. I was from a place in South Carolina where there are more trucks than cars. And, uh, and uh, I, the one thing I had a great disdain for uh, was minivans. Like, I, 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 God, if you could have asked me in 1997, will you ever own a minivan, I would have laughed at you. Like, I would never even imagine owning a minivan. And so I met my wife, and we bought this little Toyota, little Toyota car. And uh, then we had Anna Grace, our first child. And all was good. One car seat right in the center of the back seat, baby. It was working fine. And then we decided that we enjoyed the process of having children, so we decided we were going to have a few more. And, uh, and we, 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 we tried it again, and oh, my lanta, God said, get ready, because here comes twins. And we had twins. 
And for the life of us, we couldn't fit the three car seats in the back of the car. You know what I'm saying? It was just too tight. There wasn't room for stroller. There wasn't room for diaper bags. And so my wife, my wife wanted a minivan. And I said, honey, I will, I, I, I've never enjoyed a minivan. I don't want a minivan. Why would I ever get a minivan? And she said, but I want one. I said, but I don't. And then, and then we, we compromised and we got a minivan. <laughs> and uh, we, we got a minivan. But, but here's, here's what blew me away, right? Uh, when, when we decided to buy the minivan, bought the minivan, uh, $30,000 is what the number that comes to mind. Somewhere around $30,000, brand new minivan. And uh, we, were, we were in seminary, but I had worked hard as a, as a I, I worked at a drugstore and I delivered medicine and I also was a student pastor. So believe it or not, those of you who work those kind of jobs, listen, I mean, you could save. I, was, I wasn't making much at all. I was Poe. But when you Poe, if you save every month, Poe becomes more than Poe. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where that came from. But, but... But I saved, so I saved in undergrad, and so I had saved up money. So when it was time to buy a minivan, I was able to pay cash for it. So I bought a minivan and while I was in seminary at Duke, and, and beloved, you're not going to believe this, something incredibly happened. The very vehicle that I hated, the very vehicle that I had such disdain for, I actually became emotionally connected to that minivan. I actually cared about it. I actually took care of it. I actually washed it and armor awed it. We call it jerry curled. I jerry curled that thing. And I just jerry curled that thing yesterday and it's looking tight, beloved. It is a 14 year old minivan. It's amazing to me. I hated minivans, but once I got financially connected to the minivan, I became emotionally connected. Come on, come on. Even if you're not a believer, is this not true? That's why some of you freak out over your house and how beautiful you want your yard manicured and how beautiful you want your house. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Why though? Why? Here's why you're financially connected to it. This is why some of you are so freaked out about your car. I mean, you're the kind of person when you pull into a parking lot, you park in the farthest parking lot, parking space, not because you need exercise, beloved, but because you think someone's going to open up their door and ding your car. Some of you are, who are extra obsessed, you'll park in two sp- uh, spaces. Sometimes I come up here when the student ministry is going on, and I'll see some of the students, they've got their first car, and they're so fired up, they don't take one parking spot. They put the car at an angle because they got the... the why? Because they are emotionally connected to it. Come on, come on. You've got to concede this one. You've got to concede this one. This is why some of you are so passionate about your alma mater. You're in the boosters, or you're, even if you're not in the boosters, they took a lot of money from you in four years, right? Can, can I get an amen? And this is why you're so passionate about the school. You're passionate about who's going to be named president or dean. You're passionate about whether or not the school wins on Saturday. Why? Here's why you're financially connected, and therefore you are emotionally connected. Which is why Jesus said, if you're going to love me, With all your heart, you are going to have to be financially connected. You say, Pastor, give me a verse. I'm glad you asked. Matthew 6, 11. Let's read it out loud together. Matthew 6, 31. Ready? Go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. 
Again, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It is absolutely unbelievable and amazing that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, Son of God, this wisdom could only come from God. He nailed this one on the head. Often I get people coming up to me wanting to talk about areas of their life that is broken. It can be relational. It can be emotional. Often it is financial. And almost always, in some way, shape, or form, it goes back to this financial component that I'm talking about. Which is why Perry Noble said this, and I thought, this is a great quote. i got to give it to you. You show me the area where your life is most out of control, and I will show you the area where God is not in control. Yeah, get you some of that. Bottom line. Even if you're not a Christian, you got to admit this is true. I will be emotionally connected to that which I am financially connected. Which is why some of you are so emotionally connected to this church and you love it and you want what's best for it and you want the vision to continue on and you're fired up. And it's why others of you come and you just sit on the sidelines because you are not emotionally connected to it because you are not financially supporting it. And Jesus says, if you want to be connected to me, if you want to love me with all your heart, here's how you do it. You get financially behind my purposes, my mission, my church, which he calls his body. Others in the New Testament call it his bride. Listen, beloved, you can't love Jesus but think his wife is ugly. He says, the church is my bride. Here's heart principle number two. Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Heart principle number two. Ready? Here's what it is. My money declares my master. My money declares my master. Writing the word master. Now, now here's the deal, guys. Some of us, we, we say things that we don't really mean. I, I, I've never lived in the north, but from when I visited, I, I think we do this more in the south than in the north. Because we're all about image, you know, and we like to wear masks. And I've always said this is not a church where you wear your mask. But, but in the South, we tend to say things that we don't really mean. And I don't even know that this is a Southern saying, but we say, I could care less. Like when I say, I could care less, you don't really mean I could care less. What you really mean is I could not care less. But we make it short. We make it, I could care less, right? Uh, I've had fun with you about this one before. We say, bless your heart. When, when you hear that, this is, for you, this is for you northerners that move down. I'm so glad you're here. We need a diverse church. We love northerners here. We love southerners. We love African Americans. We love whites. We love Latinos. We love Asians. We love all people. Amen? Which is why when you look around, I see such a beautiful sight here. It's just unbelievable diversity. But, but here, I want to save you some trouble. If you're from the north and somebody says to you, bless your heart. Well. They don't mean... Bless your heart. What they really mean is, I'm going to be nice here. They mean, you need help. Like, like, like you, wore, you, wore, you wore that shirt with those pants. Well, bless your heart. Like, like you, you just said that in a group of people. Bless your heart. So we say things, right? We say things that we don't mean. Now, come on, let's get serious for a moment. Many of us actually say things that we don't mean of eternal significance. We will actually say things like, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. 
Now, for you to say he is your Savior, that is to mean that you put your faith and your hope in what he did for you on the cross, his shed blood. You've accepted that by faith. He's paid your sin debt. You are a believer. You are a Christian. That's kind of an easy one. He's, he's my Savior. Amen? And I'm talking to a lot of you who are Christians. And, and you can say that. And that's just, that's about nothing about what we do. That's all about what he has done. But the reason the Bible says over and over and over that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior is because Lord means he is my master. Come on now, stick with me. See, to say that Jesus is my Lord means that he is my master and therefore I do what he says to do. I go where he says to go. I love who he says to love. To say he is my master means he is my Lord. And to say he is my Lord, literally the word means master. So let us never in the church... Say things like, I could care less or bless your heart. Let us not say things like, he is my Lord, if he's really not my Lord. I mean, the least we can do, beloved, is just be honest with God. Is he your Lord or not? The best thing some of us could do today is just get honest. Like, like... Again, this is not about your money coming in today. One of the reasons why we did the offering up front. The offering's over. I just wanted to prove a point. (laughs) The best thing you can do is go from this place today and just start being honest with God. If he's your savior, amen. Amen. But if he's not your Lord, don't say he's your Lord. Because to say he's my Lord is to say he's my master. And I'm going to do what he says. Matthew 6, 24. Let's read this out loud. We're doing so good on our scripture reading. Let's go. All of our campuses ready. Go. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other. Let's continue. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is not Benji. This is not even some of the writers of the Bible, which those are, that's scripture. But this is from the words of Jesus himself. My wife rebukes me sometimes when I say the word hate. Now she has my young children rebuking me when I occasionally use the word hate. And I have to every now and then remind them that Jesus used the word hate. You will either love the one or hate or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Who are you serving? If you're honoring him with your money, then you're serving Christ. If you're not honoring him with your money, then you don't love him with all your heart. Heart principle number three. I know it just got a little tense up in here. I'm okay with that if you are. Heart principle number three. Wrapping up. God is not trying to take something from me, but rather pour something out on me. 
Come on now. Some of you just went deaf leopard, baby. Pour some sugar on me. Come on back. Come on back. Don't go there. We're in church. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. God is not trying to take something from me, but rather he is trying to pour something out on me. This is my favorite principle that I'm talking about today. Pastor Robert Morris pastors one of the most generous churches in America. This is where some of these principles came from. Unbelievable. He has a whole section in there where he's talking about God does not want to take something from us, but rather he wants to pour something out on us. And again, you got to remember where we started. Your spiritual growth, your walk with Christ does not happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. You got to know that. So again, I don't want something from you. I just want something for you. What I want for you, listen church, is that you would spend 2013 and the rest of your life experiencing God pouring out something all over you. That's what I want for you. I mean, I want God to bless you. I want God to pour out his favor on you. I want you to experience the very best life you can experience. And it starts when we love God with our hearts, our whole hearts. God says, that's how I know who really loved me. He wants to pour something out on you. And you're here. Some of you on this side, what I love about preaching this church is most of you are like, this fires you up. But some of you are sitting here and you're having a wrestling match with me. And some of you at our campuses, you're wrestling right now. You're struggling with it. And, and listen, that's okay. It's okay to have tension. And it's okay to struggle. Because if you don't struggle, you'll never get this area faithfully. I mean, you won't. And I've shared my story before. I was a Christian for six years before I started tithing. So I'm not up here throwing stones. But this church and this staff, we we take it very, very seriously. Because listen, we want God to pour some stuff out on us. We we want his blessings. We want his favor. We want his protection. We want his prosperity. We want it all. And I believe 2013 can be the best year of your life. I'm not saying the easiest year of your life. It might be. But y'all know my theology doesn't allow me to sit up here and promise you a rose garden. Jesus didn't promise any of us a walk through the rose garden. So it's okay to struggle. <laughs> last week, last week, you shall not, repeat after me, I shall not. Corner your kids and share this story. So last week, seriously, because they, they, don't, they don't like when I do this, but I usually ask for permission and it's all good. But last week, so... Um, uh, my, my two youngest, Caleb and Joshua, came down the stairs. They had decided to follow the examples of their older kids. They had decided to take money and put it in the bank. The older kids have bank accounts, and they, they make money, and they put it in, and, and it's all cool. And, and, and so the younger kids came down the stairs with their money. I mean, like, had handfuls of their Christmas money. And so uh, Caleb throws $65 on the table. I got $65, Dad. Can I start a bank account? I said, dude, that's awesome. Smart thinking. You're going to get interest. Great, great job. Way to go. But first of all, we need to take 650 of that and give it to the church. <laughs> he said, well, well, maybe I'm just going to go back upstairs. <laughs> I 
And uh, I said, no, no. I said, no, dude, this is, this is important. We believe this stuff. You need to return a tithe of that, 10% of that to the Lord's house. And, and it was like weeping and gnashing of teeth. Caleb is just out there. I mean, he just says what's on his mind. He goes, I don't want to. <laughs> You're supposed to play the keyboard. You're not supposed to be laughing. <laughs> he, he, said, he, said, he said, I don't want to. I mean, just like that. Joshua had $100. I mean, he came down like this. $100 of Christmas money that he'd got from grandparents and, 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 and people. And some of you, you're so gracious to us. And, and, and he threw $100 on the table. And I said, Joshua, um, <laughs> Caleb's got to give $650, bro. But, but you got to give 10 to the church. You would think the world was coming to an end. <laughs> After a lengthy discussion and some theology on a child's level, I got them to put their tithe in a Ziploc bag and, and bring it to church. But I asked them, could I take a picture so that you could see the joy <laughs> exuding off of their face about the tithe? So here's Caleb Timothy. <laughs> he wants to punch his dad in the face right there. <laughs> and, and here's Josh who, who has a, a sweet spirit, but that's a fake smile if I've ever seen one. <laughs> so some of you are here and, and, and you're wrestling. It's okay to wrestle. But God doesn't want to take anything from you. God wants to pour something out on you. And one of the reasons why you've never had God pour out a lot of stuff on you is because you've never taken him at his word and honored him with the tithe, which is 10%, beloved, 10% of your income. God says, I've given you everything. Some of you are here and you're like, well, I'll give when God compels me to. I'll give when my heart feels like it. Dear sir, dear ma'am, with all due respect, if a blood-stained cross doesn't move your heart and the fact that he has forgiven you of your sins and reserves a place for you in heaven forever, if that doesn't move your heart, beloved, I don't know that anything will he wants to pour something out on you and again some of you have been wrestling with me you're like you're like my children want my money the government wants my money pastor benji wants my money my alma mater wants my money the church wants my money God wants my money. God does not want your money, beloved. He wants your heart. And when he gets your heart, then he'll get your money. And when he gets your money, he'll know he has your heart. And when he knows he has your heart, he will pour out his blessings and his favor all over you. And the choice is yours. I don't manipulate. I don't pressure the choice is yours. But you leave today knowing that God, God wants to pour something out on you. 
You say, well, where do you get that from? Remember the passage of Scripture that Pastor Fuller brought up last week? If you were here, go to Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament. It's right before the book of uh, Matthew. Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12. I'll end with this. Matthew, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12. If you're still with me and you want to hear the word of the Lord, can I get an amen? Amen. I love you guys. I, the Lord, do not change. So you descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord God Almighty. But you ask, how? Okay, God, you say return to you. We've wandered away. How do we return to you? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. God says, you're robbing me. Show of hands, show of hands. How many of you, and all of our campuses, how many of you have ever been robbed? Robbed, show of hands, show of hands. Wow, it's a dark world we live in. I was robbed one time with my wife. Pickpocketer robbed us. I saw him. I saw him right after he did it. But after he did, it, he got up and I and, and I couldn't get to him. And he robbed us. It felt terrible. You might say, "Why didn't you chase him and fight him?" Because he didn't get my wallet. Because if he'd got my wallet, that means he'd got my license. And if he'd got my license, that means I would have had to go to the DMV. And I would rather go anywhere in the world than the DMV. <laughs> Because that is hell on earth. Some of you, you don't believe there is a hell. You go visit the Department of Motor Vehicle. You will believe in hell. But you're robbing me. (laughs) But you ask. So you remember how it feels to be robbed? God says, you're robbing me. And you might ask, well, then how, God? How in the world am I robbing you? In tithes of... And all friends, that's both, beloved. Some of you are like, well, I, I give 5% to the church. I give 5% somewhere else. No, 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 no. That's all friends. My wife and I love to support other things. We're at a stage now, man, we love this. We, I was a student pastor one time, like Pastor Scott over here. I love student ministry. I love students. And if you got students, please get your children, students into the student ministry here. It's unbelievable. But, but I was a student pastor one time, and now it's really cool. My students have grown up. And they're in churches, and they're going on missions trips now. And the most exciting thing to me is they write me now, and they want us to help support them going on a missions trip. And we love it. It's so, we're just so thrilled to stroke that check and bless them as they go on a missions trip. That's offering, beloved. That is above and beyond my tithe. My tithe comes to the local church. You say, where do you get that from? Hold on. We're getting ready to get there. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a, come on, come on, help me out. What the? Anybody ever been cursed out? Cursed out? I've had my fair share of being cursed out. I've had people in the church curse me out. You can curse me out. I'll get in my car and go home and eat potato salad and love on my family. It's all right. It's all good. Don't, don't let that bother you. Again, some of you are from the South. Some of you are from the South. See, just, we just came out of the holidays. Some of you, 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 you haven't had a good holiday unless grandma gets drunk and curses somebody out. 
right? Right? So it says, it says you're under a curse. Again, we do earthly robbing, we do earthly cursing, but have you ever imagined being cursed by Almighty God? Here's what I believe, and if you believe it fits for you, you can wear it. I won't say it to you. I'll just say it for myself. I believe that when I'm not honoring God with my finances, with the tithe right off the top, from the top, first fruits, when I'm not doing that, I believe my finances are cursed. I, I believe that because that's what Scripture says. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Here it is. Here it is. Get ready. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Here it is, here it is. And pour, pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for it. Test him. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe God will pour out blessings on your life, test him. Last year I did something for the very first time in the history of this church. I'm going to ask all of you to reach under your chair and grab the sheet of cardstock in the chair pocket. Those of you on the front row, it's right there. Some of you, so many people, you tithe and this, you don't even need this. But just because you know that what I'm saying I believe and is legit, I want you to grab that. The tithe test, it's all there for you. We did this last year. Listen, church, listen. I thought we would be lucky if we had five people do it. We had over 100 people take the tithe test last year. The tithe test basically goes like this. It says, I'm going to return a tithe of my income right off the top to the Lord God Almighty into the storehouse. You look at the scriptures. The storehouse is the local church, beloved. The Bible says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this. Test me in this. Here is the promise we made as a church last year. I might do this every year for the rest of my ministry. We said to everyone who would sign a tithe test that you tithe to Almighty God. And if God doesn't bless your life, if God doesn't pour out so much on your life, any point in time, in that time period that's on that sheet, you can actually say to the church, and I don't even have to know about it. I won't know about it. You can say, hey, it didn't work for me. I want my money back. And the finance department of this church will give you every last red penny back of the money that you brought into this storehouse. You say, you're crazy. You really do that? Yes. And to the, to, to the best of my ability, my, to the best of my knowledge, and I think I would know about it if it happened, no one, no one in 2012 came back and said, we want our money back. And instead, instead, some of you are sitting here, and that's probably those that are clapping. Instead, what we heard is testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of the way in which 2012 was the most anointed and favored and blessed year in the lives of those who took the tithing test. This stuff is for real, beloved. It is for real. 
So if you want to take the tithing to someone, you're already filling it out. You, you can fill it out now, drop it in the offering. You can, you can take it home and pray over it. You don't have to do it today. But when you do it, you'll hear from this church. We'll make it official. And that's really nothing more than us just putting this on file. And we'll, we'll do like we do everybody. We'll keep up with what you give to the storehouse. And I stand up here before God Almighty and look you in the eye and say, all you got to do is send a simple email, a simple phone call, whatever you want. It's not working for me. I want my tithe back. And with no pressure, no resentment, no, nothing but love, you'll get a check back for the full amount of what you've given to the storehouse. Because I don't want something from you. I want something for you. He says, test me in this and see if I will not pour open the floodgates of heaven and there'll be enough food in my house. The day I came home, man, wife and kids were somewhere else. I came home. I was hungry. I hadn't eaten anything except what my wonderful assistant right here fixed me, and I'm trying to do so much better in 2013, so I told her I just want a bowl of fruit. So I ate a bowl of fruit all day long. I came home. I was hungry. I was about to eat my thumb. I went into the house, man, and there was food in the house. There's nothing worse than going home when you're hungry, and there's no food in the house. You know what I'm saying? I went home, and thanks be to God, there was food in the house. There was bananas on the counter, and oranges on the counter, and apples on the counter. And I decided I was going to leave those for my children, and I went to the cupboard. <laughs> and I got some other food from the house, and it was good. Let me just break it down for you, and I'm done. Some of you are here because you come to this church, and when you come, there's food in the house. Some of you pull up here on Sunday morning and you see a policeman directing traffic and you see pathfinders directing traffic and you see people at the door and there's food in this house. Some of you are here because you come into worship every Sunday and you have an amazing experience and you hear the word of God, hopefully, prayerfully, faithfully preached. You eat it up. You go. Your life's being changed. Why? Because there's food in the house. Some of you come here and you've got young children and you tell us that it's unsafe because when you park, they're so stinking excited about church that they run across the parking lot because they can't wait to get to Hope Kids because there's food in the house. This is not about your money. Your kids are still getting goldfish or, or, or whatever those crackers are. I don't even know what we give the kids over there. But they are still, I'm not talking about physical food. Some of you are here and you bring your students because they go to Impact and they go to Pulse and they're fed and they're blessed and they're avoiding sex outside of marriage and they're avoiding drugs and they found healthy relationships and healthy community. Why? Because there's food in this house. And the reason there is food in this house is because this church is made up of generous people who take very, very seriously God's word on giving. There's food in this house. Missionaries go into foreign lands where they've raised a lot of their own money, but the church comes alongside of them and helps them financially. Why? How can we do that? Because there's food 
in this house. Let me break it down just a little bit more. We've seen thousands and thousands of salvations in the life of this church. Why? Because there's food in this house. We've seen thousands of baptisms in that pool out there in three and a half years. Why, church? Maybe you've never thought about it this way. Because there's food in this house. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful. I am so blessed. I am so fortunate that I can return my tithe to this church because there's food in the house. If you're going to clap, you ought to clap about that. So Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart. All in. He doesn't say give me 100% of it. He says you honor me with 10% of it. And watch me bless your life because your life is far better on 90% with my blessing than 100% without my blessing. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you. This is all about you. This is all about what you've done in this house. This is your storehouse. Father, we thank you for that. Father, I ask that you would bless every single person here today. God, there's a lot of clashing going on right in here, right now, at all of our campuses. Father, I pray that this week we would think so much about this. God, let us not forget this one. Wake us up at night thinking about our heart and therefore thinking about our money. God, there's food in this house. But I will tell you that sometimes Sometimes, Father, I stop and I think about what could really happen. What could really happen in this church if the full house of God decided to love you with all their hearts. And I'm struck by the fact that, God, we've only seen a small portion of your favor and your blessings and your anointing, both individually and as a community of faith. And it takes my breath away when I think about what you could do with us. If we went all in. So, Father, I pray that generosity would sweep over this church. I pray that disciplined faithfulness in the arena of finances would sweep all over this church. And, Father, I thank you that you will get all the glory and the honor and your people will be blessed as a result. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our worship teams from all of our campuses are getting ready to come back on the stage. We've structured worship in such a way today, intentionally so, 
that we as a community might stand with nothing else left to do but think about the words we've heard and to sing about a God who has blessed us. Amen? And we're going to start with an old hymn. Come thou fount, because beloved, I believe that faithfulness in the area of giving only comes when we understand how much God has blessed us. And we're going to sing a song that's all about that. Come thou fount of blessings. And here's what I want you to do, because I don't want us to lose this moment. As we sing this song, and it's, it's a little mid-tempo. I want you to sing it, but I want you to also think about the ways in which God has blessed you. What if we all got an attitude of gratitude in 2013? Because when we get finished singing that song about the ways in which God has blessed us, we're going to follow proper biblical theology. And we're going to sing a final song today. It's called 10,000 Reasons, and the main theme of that song is, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Because it's only when we understand, hey, he, is, he has come. His fountain of blessings has come upon us and upon you and upon this church, and there's food in the house. It's then that the, the believer surrenders and says, here's the deal, though, God. You've blessed me, but you've blessed me. And maybe this is the most important thing you hear today. He's blessed you, beloved, so that you can be a blessing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And I pray that that last song that builds would really be a time of commitment for you and I as a church family to say, you know what, we're going to bless the Lord with our finances. I pray that happens here, and I pray that happens at all of our campuses. Our worship teams will lead us. Let us stand and sing to the Lord. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a dynamic four-part series entitled All In. In this series, we will explore what happens when the full house of God puts it all on the line and goes all in. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message.